Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Uh, it is Friday. Friday the 20th of December. Uh, 2019, of course. I'm going to venture away from my, uh, there is a way out, uh, if you'll pardon me just for this one uh, segment. Uh, I'm going to give a, uh, I'm going to tell you what my dad was like. Everybody knew my dad, of course, when they listened to the show in San Diego. My dad, 84 years old. And my dad uh, was born, I think, in Texas. Now, I'm going to get some of this stuff wrong because I don't have it memorized. I'm a bad son, but he's born in Texas, and uh, he moved out with his parents, I believe, to Riverside. Uh, he, uh, in his younger days, <laughs> he was such a nerd. In his younger days, he fell in love with a singer by the name of Roy Cuff, a country music icon, I guess you would say, and... Um, Nowadays, I'd be surprised out of if uh, one out of a hundred knew who Roy Acuff was in the ages of between eh, 20 and 50, maybe. I don't know. Maybe some would. He's in the Hall of Fame of whatever it is, country music. <laughs> but my dad, as a, as a youth, would actually, around Christmas time, would go into to several different classrooms and sing Roy Acuff's song. Uh Apparently, he thought it was his way of spreading joy. <laughs> joy and and, uh, and good tidings and good Roycuff tidings. And so, I guess is how he put it, he received quite a hand from each classroom. I find that hard to believe, <laughs> but I wasn't there. So, Roycuff, he was a fan of his when my dad was a kid. So my dad get into high school, and uh, the only thing that he's good at in sports is tennis. And this is back in the old days when you got the the uh, racket tennis, the uh, wood racket tennis, the old banjo stroke, big old heavy wood racket tennis. And uh, I guess he was pretty good, is what he told us. He uh, was one of the leaders on his team, and he would... Uh, he showed me some of his uh, ability when we played ping pong later. And I'll talk about that a little later on. But he played tennis for uh, Riverside. Was it Riverside? Rubido? Some high school out there. And uh, he was telling all of us that uh, he enjoyed uh, playing tennis. It was one of his favorite sports. And he was good. He was probably going to go to college and get a scholarship right up until when he won a match. Trying to show off, he went over and leaped over the net or how he tried and his foot caught the top and he went down and broke his arm, I believe, which put an end to his tennis career quickly. So at that age and at that time, of course, he goes into the military and uh, there was no war at that time, so he didn't have to see any action or anything like that. And I can only imagine my dad at the front lines 
That would be our secret weapon, I think, <laughs> for him singing the Wabash Cannonball. Here's another Roy Cuff tune. Uh, so uh, I don't know much about how much time he spent, and I don't even know exactly what he did. What a great son I am, huh? I do know that he had a scooter, and, and he had one of those cornball scooters that you see in the 1950s. One of those scooters that would go about zero to 10 miles per hour in about nine minutes and make that little nerdy noise. You know, and he loved it. And somewhere in that span between the scooter and college, I believe, he met my mom. And uh, love, love happened. And uh, then he got married. And I believe that uh, they were in Redlands when I came flying out. <laughs> yeah. I came flying out May 20th, 1961. And about three days later, I think they moved to San Diego. So I still tell, tell everybody I'm from San Diego, but I'm really not. I'm from Redlands or Riverside or what have you. Uh, my sister came out about a year later, actually one year and one month later, June 20th. And uh, her name's Carrie. And uh, so it was just Carrie and I and uh, my mom, Judy, and my dad. And we had a nice little completely typical middle-range uh, middle, uh, middle uh, range neighborhood. You know, not super expensive, but in a nice neighborhood where we played uh, hide-and-go-seek, especially in the summer when it never seemed to get dark. And if it was hot, we would play hide-and-go-seek and then run and jump into the pool. And spend glorious long days in the summer having fun right there in the Allied Gardens area. And uh, my sister and I growing up did all the things that kids do. She uh, participated in Halloween, but she wasn't as active as I was. Boy, I'll tell you what, I planned that thing out. I planned that out for weeks and weeks before. We're going to go over here. We're going to go over this neighborhood. We're going to get our bikes. We're going to pedal over way, way over there, which seemed like a mile or so. And we are going to do our trick-or-treating until our bags are full. Uh, our uh, pillowcase bags. You remember those, right? Did you ever use those? Not much of a uh, Halloween costume I would put on, probably because I hated the plastic, horrible ghost ones. <laughs> Back then, those... Uh, those uh, Halloween costumes were terrible. And you probably wonder what my dad dressed up as. Now, in this span of me being a kid and everything, my dad um, got into teaching at San Diego State, and uh, he became a principal. And he carried his love for uh, Roy Acuff with him. Yes, along with his guitar. And he starts out in a National City District, I believe. A school principal running the school. And he was very well known. And you'll hear from people that write in stuff on Facebook where you'll see. He was very well known for that, for bringing his guitar, walking up and down the hallways. Hey, you over. Come here, come here. The kid would come over. And I know because I used to shag along with my dad on probably twice or three times a year. I'd, ha I'd get to come out and hang out with him all day at school. A, that was one way of ditching my school. <laughs> and B, it was just a way of goofing off and hanging out with my dad and watching him. And uh, he was great with the kids. 
Uh, and, and the kids loved him like crazy. He would have assemblies where he would have all the kids show up and uh, he would sing a couple of songs and the teachers looked like they were bored sickly. But the teachers loved him too. And then um, he entertained the kids with uh, stuff like, we're going to the zoo, zoo, zoo. How about you, you, you? You could come too, too, too. We're going to the zoo. And that song stuck with me for weeks on on after, after I would go and hear that. All right, you guys over there. Where are you going? Now the girls. Where are you going? to the, All right, now the guys. All right, now the janitor. We're going to the zoo. <laughs> yeah. My dad was a... My dad may have seemed like he was a pushover, but he was not. He was fair, and he was a strict... Not strict to the point where he loved to punish kids... Because back then, you could spank kids with a paddle. And he showed me that paddle. But he didn't like to do that. But he wasn't a pushover. And he would have the rotten kids come in. And and uh, he would deal them with their way. And you know what I thought? I always thought, but he never told me if it was true or not. I thought, and I was convinced, that the way he would punish those kids would he would have a 20-minute Roy Acuff concert. In his office. office. (laughs) I guarantee you that. That would have made the kid go straight A from then on in. (laughs) Talk about scared straight. So, you know, I'm getting older and stuff and I'm getting, uh, you know, when is this about 71 or 72 or so? My hair's getting long. Doing the David uh, Cassidy thing in Partridge Family, my hair was getting long. I don't know if you remember what Danny looked like with the red hair, but I had brown hair, and it was down to my shoulders. Um, and I was on the uh, – my dad had a Little League team, you know, Allied Gardens, several Little League teams. We all played baseball, and my dad was a coach. And then I don't know how it worked out, but then I was on my dad's team. I think when I was 11. For some crazy reason, when I was 12, I was not on his team. And I'll tell you why in a second. So, being on, you know, the same team with my dad, I don't remember. And I know for sure there was no favoritism because I wasn't that good. But uh, he had a he had an assistant coach. And we, he would have cornball, little uh, get-togethers at our pool. And, you know, that was fun. Everybody loved somebody who's got a pool back then. And we'd all meet and, you know, little 11-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old kids running around with hot dogs in our mouth, jumping in the pool and harassing my sister, who would have her friends over. And so, uh, one day my dad decides, and it's towards the end of the season, and we have to win this game. It's crucial, or we don't, we lose the game, we're out. We're not in the playoffs, we're done. And he tells me, we're having all the, we're having all the Bromos over, the, all the Abramowitzes. We're having uh, uncle, grandpa, your granny, everybody, your cousins who probably hate you, but they're coming. Everyone's coming. My uncle's name was Beanie. Isn't that a great name? <laughs> a Beanie. And so, and plus, you're going to start the game. I was a pitcher. 
So they all showed up. It was the Bromo day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And it was even announced, I think, by my mom, who I believe was upstairs running the, the microphone and all that. Now batting number 12. Dennis Blankman. Yay. Clap, 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 clap. Uh, she, she, she would do the, the, uh, the play-by-play, or so, not really play-by-play, but she would do the uh, microphone stuff, announcements, and who's up to bat. And I think she did the scorecard or something. But So they all show up, and they're there in the stands, and I'm warming up and, uh, you know, feeling good and, I guess, of course, I want to do well for all the people that are there to see me. And I look over and I see all my cousins, and they're bored to hell. <laughs> they're a lot younger. They're walking around looking for something, uh, somebody to buy them something to eat or something. And they're just sitting in the dirt, just bored stiff. And uh, the game is going pretty well. We're ahead by three runs. Going in the sixth inning now. Now, see, in uh, Little League, there's only six innings in a game. So it's bottom of the sixth, and we're up by three. And I'm pitching. We just need three outs. We move on. We win it all. Do we? Well, say that to Mark Lawrence, who hit a grand slam off my uh, fastball. This ball went over the fence over a dirt lot that was behind the fence, across the street, over another fence, into a trailer park. <laughs> Slow motion, I'm watching the kid run around. I look across the way, and I'm watching the opposing team throwing up their helmets, and I look over to my right, and my dad's throwing the clipboard down on the ground with a big, huge ball of dust. Mark Lawrence, who was a good friend of mine in school, took me deep and crossed the plate and they all ran off and I look around for something and I you know we're we're mortified and shell shocked I grab my glove and I <clears throat> I go over to the refreshment stand you know the big wooden stand and uh if you remember literally they had winners treats and losers treats so like the loser the winners treats got a big huge uh, gigantic extra cheese pepperoni, beautiful looking pizza. A pizzerina is what it was. A long, looked like a grinder sandwich. And whatever kind of uh, special treats you can have along with it. Big old candy bar, big old Coke. Guess what the losers got? A soggy old hot dog that had been there about a week and a half. <laughs> so I walk up to, uh, I don't know why, but I walked up to the refreshment stand to get my my treats and the old crusty guy there. Guy had been there about 45 years, had a Little League hat with about 90 pins on it. He goes, hey, fella, congratulations. I said, what? Congratulations. I said, what are you? What? He goes, 
That's the longest home run I've ever seen hit in this ballpark. And I've been here about 45 years. And they go, I was the pitcher. Oh. You want some mustard with your soggy wiener? No, thanks. And I remember as I'm walking over, I see my dad who's in a hurry. And he goes, oh, you're going to have to walk home, son, your day. Your mom left. And I got to go back to the school to do that school thing on a Saturday. He gets into his MGB and he tools off. And there I am walking home feeling sorry for myself about a mile and a half with my mitt, my soggy hot dog. And my dad was pretty not too happy for the next week. <clears throat> that was a rough year, and I'll tell you another reason why. Be um, We had a dog named Andy, and Andy was a, just a straggly old mutt. But uh, Andy was like the dog everybody loves. Would never hurt anybody. Had showed no fear. I mean, sh- showed no violence or growling or anything towards people. And Andy would get out a lot, you know. And we would catch Andy would come back later on that afternoon. Who knows where Andy went? Across the street or some under somebody's mobile home or whatever. But would come back always. But this one time, Andy wasn't back for a while, and I had left the leash on. And uh, I came home from school one day, went in through the garage, into the kitchen, looked through the kitchen window into the backyard, and there's Andy. I said, Andy's home. Dropped whatever I had in my hand, and I ran out. As I ran closer to Andy in the backyard, I reached over and touched Andy, and Andy was stiff as a board. His eyes were glazed in the stare of death. Somebody, some, someone had taken Andy and threw Andy over the fence so Andy could not touch the ground, wrapped the leash, the leash that I had left on there, around the top with a knot and around the bottom with a knot. And you can't tell me that that was done by Andy. As I touched Andy, Andy flipped over kind of to the right my dad was driving home, uh, coming home just at that moment, looked through and said, get in, the, get, in the, get in the house, get in the house. I was mortified. I propelled backwards, fell on my back, and I was shocked. He goes, get, get in the house. And I watched him go into the garage and grab some kind of clipper thing, and I watched him uh, snap, snap the leash, and Andy fell down and was I I was crushed beyond crushed, blown away. My dad put out a reward, and we never did catch whoever did that. I'm kind of thinking that that person who did that someday, if not, if it hasn't happened already, when that person passes and is on his way to meet our maker, he's going to be pulled aside and say, hey, have a seat. Come here, have a seat. All right, comfortable? You want anything? I'm going to play back a little bit of videotape of what you did a long time ago. Remember this? Remember when you lived in Allied Gardens? Yeah, you remember this, huh? Let me show exactly what you did here. Remember that? My parents weren't getting along at all in the, for the last, uh, when I was 11, 12, 13, something like that. And uh, I would hear him fight a lot. And, you know, my dad would have his friends over and had, had his country yeehaw stuff. And um, at first, long time ago, my mom was, when I was younger, my mom would play along and she'd play the spoons, <laughs> the spoons to my dad's 
country stuff, and they'd be drinking beer and stuff. My mom would not, but, you know, when I'm 12 and 13 now, my mom is not having it. She does not like my dad's friends. She liked them, but she didn't want them to come over and totally invading. My mom was a teacher. I didn't tell you that. So a lot of stress involved. And so uh, my mom, they were just not doing well. I would hear them argue a lot. I would hear them fight. Sometimes my mom screaming and crying. And my dad was never physical with her at all. But the emotional scars, I won't forget it. And uh, one day, uh, I forget how it was done. My sister would know better than me. They pulled us aside and said, uh, I believe my mom pulled us aside and said that your dad's going to be moving out and living uh, in Pacific Beach across town at a singles place called Oakwood. <laughs> I remember I felt so bad. And I'm sure at that time my dad's like, well, hey now, you know, single again. Hey now. But I don't think he really, really was happy. He was living single. He had a roommate who was a pro wrestler. His name was Clark. <laughs> yeah. On the days that they would allow us to come over, I think it was like once a week you could have your kids over. This is back then at Oakwood. And we would come over and uh, I would see Clark bouncing my dad around. Hey, there, wink. My dad was not digging it. You know, you know when you, when you go from being married to all of a sudden having a wrestler roommate, yeah, there's... Kind of hard to take, I would think. Now, there came to be a point where I was in my, what, 14 or 15. Um, I felt bad for my dad I, I, because the only times we could see him was once, once in a while. And, you know, I was getting to that point where I wanted to ask if I could live with my dad. And that was tough to do. I had to ask my mom, Mom, I'd like to live with my dad. Don't want to hurt my mom's feelings, but my my thought was that my mom has my sister there. Now at that point, my mom had remarried, and so um, I pulled my dad aside in, in Old Town. We had a cup of coffee, and I asked him if I could live with him. And I, he, uh, of course, and so we got a uh, we moved from place to place to place, but we eventually settled in Point Loma, right. Uh, right underneath the flight path. Anybody who lives in Point Loma, especially by Point Loma High School, will know that the flight path can be loud. You know, growing up, I didn't have a whole lot of hobbies. I was lousy in school. I hated school. Um, I would ditch a lot. And you probably heard this in some of my other podcasts, but I would ditch a lot, but not to go drink or use pottering like that, but I would ditch with my friends, get rolled tacos, and come home and watch I Love Lucy or whatever the show was on TV. Right? What a rebel I was. So I wasn't a great student, and I know I caused my dad a lot of pain there, but my dad didn't really spend a lot of time um, with how my grades were because uh, he devoted a lot of energy being a principal and plus, he's single, and he was staying out a lot. And he was coming out later and later a lot. And that was tough for me because sometimes I would see him come home, and I could tell by his temperament, not not bad temperament, just, you know, red face. And I could tell he'd been drinking, you know. It was an issue for a little bit. It was. 
lived with my dad through, well, up until 18, he comes home and he tells me we're moving to Guadalajara, Mexico. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. And I was shell-shocked. I said, Guadalajara, Mexico? So because he's a principal and he wanted to be bilingual, he took a, uh, a half year, he took a year sabbatical. That was it. Yeah, he took a year sabbatical, which is he was paid half salary to go down to Mexico and you better learn Spanish, right? It wouldn't look good if you came back a year later. And But but uh, we did and, and I hated it at first. I, I don't know if I really, really ever got to the point where I kind of liked it, but it was tough. Guadalajara, Mexico and, you know, I could... I couldn't speak any Spanish, and you learn to say baños pretty well, bathroom. And I remember my dad and I watched the uh, 1980 Miracle on Ice game in the Olympics. We had never watched hockey together, and I'm sure a lot of people will relate to this, but, boy, those Olympics were fun to watch. United States winning the gold, of course, when they beat Russia. Do you believe in miracles? And uh, there, my dad and I were eating our avocado Bolero sandwiches or whatever and watching Olympics. We finished that run, came back, and I lived with my dad uh, for years after. He watched me running marathons because my dad used to run uh, when I was in high school, and he tried to get me to run with him, and I hated it. Come on, Dad, I don't want to run. Come on, son, let's go. I don't want to run. Just just jog with me a couple blocks. I'm not fat, Dad. I'm not fat either. But come on. He wanted some company. <laughs> he wanted me to run with him. Dad, I hate running. It's not fun. It hurts. Just run around on the block. We'll go. Next thing I know, it's 20 minutes later and we're still running. Dad, I thought we were going around the block. I didn't say which block. <laughs> and he always used to he always used to bait me with pizza. Come on, I'll buy you a pizza afterwards. After how long afterwards? Well, when we're done. We're only going a couple miles. So at this point, we run a little bit longer, run a little bit longer. And I enjoyed the time my dad and I would sit down feeling, you know, running hurts. And when you're done with running, about two or three minutes after the pain and you're settling in, you feel like a kind of an engine where you're warming down. I'm having my Coke and he's having his ice, ice cold beer and we're having a pizza. We're hanging out together. And I, I got to the point where I actually started to enjoy running so much so that I took it another notch level further and started competing. I started, uh, that's when we went to Guadalajara 
And I was trying to run around there in high elevation or whatever it was. And people were looking at me like a nutball and came back to San Diego, ran my first marathon in like 407. You know why? Because I'd only run like 30 miles a week, if that. Well, so after years of running in my 20s, I got my marathon time down to like two, two, uh, two hours, 32 minutes and 56 seconds, which I did twice. And uh, my dad, of course, always there at all my races. One time when I was running a marathon with this group of hardcore guys, we're not in the lead or anything, but we're, you know, we're a couple of minutes back. We're in the top 20. And, uh, you know, when you run around Fiesta Island, a lot of that stuff sometimes when you're running the races is, is cordoned off. There's no traffic except the time my dad decided to take his Mustang and go through the barricades. <laughs> so there I am, mile 20. And we're coming on the backside of the moon, almost like Pink Floyd. We're coming on the backside of a Fiesta Island. And I hear this, <laughs> hearing Roy Cup music playing. Come on, come on, bro, we'll pick it up. Make your move. <laughs> Make my move. I don't know if you know this, Dad, but the uh, leaders are probably another two miles up there. Make your move. If you can talk, you can run faster. <laughs> uh, my running well uh, went full bore for the longest time until I had a sciatic nerve, and the rest is history. I had to quit running, and um, I got into drinking when I was my dad and I living out in Spring Valley now. And uh, I found that the fact that uh, the feeling of after a couple of drinks was compared to feeling what I felt like after three or four miles of running, kind of. That feeling like, ugh, you've kind of relaxed. No longer do you feel a lot of tension. Alcohol does a lot as far as making some people do this, some people do that. It just made me re chill out, you know, and not go 55 miles an hour do, thinking this, thinking that, being hyper and stuff. So my dad and I lived in Spring Valley, <clears throat> and uh, one day I'm just hobbling around doing something, and he goes, he goes, uh, Bromo, come here. So what? Come here. I come in there, and he sprawled out on the couch in his underwear and socks, which was one of always the things he would he would do when he was at home. Hey, look at this! And he saw an ad for American Dream Broadcasting. We're gonna give them a call. I go, what? What for? I think you have a great voice. And my dad had a booming radio voice. I did not. So he calls them, and the next thing I know, I'm on the phone with some gal. Hey, how you doing? You know, I'm in my early 30s. and So he signs me up. I think it was like $1,600 for five weeks of meeting uh, three or four times a week. And the school was in the back of a tanning salon in Ocean Beach. American Dream Broadcasting School. And it was uh, taught by a guy who was actually on the radio at night. I think at Y95 is what it was called. And he was teaching this class. It was a dream for him to open up this school. I was the guy's first student. And that's how I got into radio. I started out as an intern. And I did this and I did that and I did this and I did that until, until uh, the best thing, one of the best things that ever happened to me is where uh, at Kearney Villa Road, I met uh, 
a real genius who's still my best friend who hosts a morning show that's still highly active and highly powerful. And I was on this show and I, the only reason I became a member on that show is because I would set up golf and eventually the host, my friend, uh, some, I guess somehow he saw something in me that I was a, a real nut, a real goofball. And we'd start making golf bets. And that's how things started for me. Now, in the golf bets, some uh, golf bets became notoriously uh, (laughs) embarrassing, terrifying, shocking. And so to lead up to that, they would call my dad up and tell him, what the bet was and what I would have to do the following day if I lost in golf. And my dad used no acting at all. My dad was a was just being himself. And my dad was perfect. My dad constantly would forget their names. <laughs> Is this Kelly? No, it's Shelly. And he would constantly forget the call letters. Is this KCD? No, it's not dad. And I would say, I would dad. And then, you know, he and I would go back and, Dave, uh, you know. And uh, so the, the, the sheer beauty of my dad being on the air was just the fact that he was being himself. He was wacky. He was, he'd bring up Ray Cuff quite a bit. He, he would try to talk to my friend on the air live and tell him about some of his grandeur ideas of of a Roy Cup museum and such. He was, he never ever saw himself as anything more than just uh, being my father. But I'll tell you what, when we went out after a while, after a couple of years of doing this and, and people hearing him on the air and we would go someplace and they would recognize his voice, everybody knew that that was my, my dad. Or we'd be at a pizza place, just my dad and I in Spring Valley. Waitress would come over and after taking the order, do you know who this is? Dad, stop. You know who this is, right? Do you ever listen to Link, Plank, and Plock, Plock? Who? Dad, that's not who they are. Well, whatever. This is a bromo. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah. I'm his father. <laughs> <laughs> So we all know my pattern of uh, the drinking and things like that. And that was going on. And uh, we got to a point where I eventually, uh, he and I parted ways because he wanted to, um, he wanted to go back to Mexico again. He was retired now from school and uh, he loved the Hispanic ways, the Mexican culture. And he fell in love with a woman down there and he lived in La Playa, which is 20 miles uh I guess into Tijuana by the by the bull ring or something like that. I've only been there once. It was a long, long time ago. And so my dad had a family out there was watching him. And uh my dad uh and I would still stay in contact. My dad would come across from time to time helping me try to find a place to live. And he always thought, get this, he always thought that I could live in a house next to the ocean in La Jolla. Well, it only co- you could probably get a house down there for about 800 a month. 
Really? Probably if it's an outhouse. He always wanted the best things for me, and that was obvious. But he also, he wasn't in tune with with uh, what was going on at the moment. And what I mean by that, I mean how everything costs, what I was doing. For instance, he expected me to make a lot of money, what I was doing, working in radio. I did not. He thought I should have made a whole lot more. I did not. He also would get mad at me for uh, not trying to progress in other avenues of my life, which he was right. I was wrong. I was stubborn. I had to keep drinking and doing my ways, which basically my drinking took me away from my dad. Uh, I remember still when I was living at home towards the last couple of years of living with him, that's when I came home after that misdemeanor hit and run. Driving my red Nissan from Shelter Island to Point Loma, hammered as beyond hammered, not remembering anything, getting on the 94, sideswiping somebody, ending up in Spring Valley, waking up only because my dad went out to go have coffee, saw my car, came in, David! Um, and there I am on the floor and my dog's on the bed. Where are your keys? And in the room stinks like alcohol. So he went through that with me. He also saw he also saw me do a month or was it 40 days at a work furlough place. And that's where you go in and you you uh a minimum security place where you actually pay to live there. Not not a whole lot, but you live in different rooms with bunk beds with other guys and they let you go to go out and work and you better come home at a certain time. And if not, and if you don't do what they say, you can wind up in jail. And I've never been in jail. I had that misdemeanor hit and run, but I was lucky that the police officer showed up the next morning. And he could have taken me away. I was still reeking of booze, but they did not. So my dad actually was there to pick me up from work furlough. The reason why I had to go to work furlough is because I procrastinated. I didn't do my work service. I was scared. And I didn't tell anybody, and I did not show up at work, and all of a sudden uh, a warrant comes out, blah, blah, blah. This went around and around, and I had to go to work for a while. I completed that, and I came back home, and the first thing I asked my dad is, can we stop off at 7-Eleven so I can buy myself a six-pack of beer? This was the only thing I can think of. Uh, my sister went her ways, and she uh, lives in Boston, and... Uh, There were several things about my dad that always amazed me. Uh, when we parted and I went and we went our different ways, you know, I was so used to living at home with my dad. And it was hard because uh, I became used to having things um, so easy. You know, it's not. I mean, I still took care of a lot of my bills and things, but I procrastinated. Just my dad procrastinated a lot too, and with his life and uh and and it, i i didn't face reality at all until until years years later so um you know i we we came to the part where um now i'm only seeing him once or twice or so a month uh if i if i can have him come across the border and he's getting uh he was getting older in age and then of course i got the job in fargo 
And I remember when I had to leave San Diego, my dad was staying at a at a at a place um, because uh, he had got just gotten out of the hospital. He knew he needed to recover someplace in Lemon Grove. And I remember when I told him that I was moving, uh, it was tough for him because I was moving pretty far away. I wasn't going to be able to see him twice a week or, or twice a month. I was moving to Fargo of all places. <clears throat> I did that for a year, and then I uh, moved to Minot, which Minot, North Dakota, which where I'm at now. And my dad always called it South Dakota. <laughs> Are you married yet? No. And my dad had phone conversations, and uh, I would, you know, I tried to call him. I tried to call him, uh, you know, once or twice a week, and sometimes, you know. Sometimes more important things <laughs> come into play and you find yourself having not made that phone call and there's my dad. He's just, you know, he's waiting for me to call, you know. And uh, they, I keep thinking of that song, you know, the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, you know. I remember my dad was uh, a lot younger and he, 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 he actually had the same problem. He didn't go out and see his parents very much. Time slips by, and, and you know, I guess things seem to be more important. And 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 in reality, there's my dad who's just waiting for his son to call him. And you know, my sister, my sister's raising a family and everything, and I don't have a fit. I don't. I have two cats. My sister's raising a family, and she's very busy, and she was doing her best to stay in contact. So the phone calls with my dad um, sometimes were very uh, emotional, very. Um, uh, very down and depressed. His health started t taking more and more out of him. He eventually could not drive anymore, and he was confined to a wheelchair. And I remember, uh, was it three years ago? Three years ago or so, when I came down to San Diego, uh, my Uncle Beanie had picked him up, and had, along with his wife, and had uh, come to see me at the airport. And we went and had uh, lunch or something like that at Denny's, and uh, that was a time to spend with my dad. And a lot of life was out of him. He was still very quirky and things like that, but um, it was tough to see how age had uh, slowed down things with my dad. I apologize if uh, this podcast is getting a little long. I'm trying to wrap it up. The thing is this, that... Uh, I'm having some uh, trouble releasing some emotions that I don't know why yet. Uh, my, my dad, my dad just like lived and and breathed what I was doing and and what was going on in my world. And all I needed to do was call him more, and all I needed to do was check in more. And when we did have our Facebook Live stuff. <laughs> I'd see half his forehead because he didn't know how to work the camera. <laughs> but he heard my voice, and that's all he really wanted to hear. He just, he thrived with it. And he saw his life, he saw his life really, uh, as how he put it, he saw his life kind of closing in on him, and, and he loved his family, but he, but he, he he told me every single time on the phone that he missed me like crazy and that he wished we were we could still be together. We lived together a long time. 
my dad had so many people that knew him at school or or wherever. He was such a such a, a unique guy. He walked tall, even though he had a friend call him the round mound of sound. But my dad had dignity about him. My dad knew it was right and wrong. But I, I never meant to leave my dad in a world of where he's wondering if his son left him or not. My dad would have done anything for me. My dad, about four days ago, uh, fell out of his chair and hit his head and had a fracture and was ra- uh, rushed to the hospital. And uh, is where he was for, and he, uh, his heart became uh, weaker and weaker, and uh, about ten percent. And he was just the other day put on life support. And when you're out here. And someone says, you should be there. And my only thought was selfish because I don't want to see him that way. I don't want to see his dying moments. They put the phone to my ear and they put the phone to his ear. And what do you say? What do you say when you're saying goodbye? How do you sum up up a whole lifetime with your father in a phone call? And I know it's going to haunt me for the longest time. Maybe I should have taken a plane and rushed to be out there. But he wasn't making a whole lot of... He... And my, my father passed away. Passed away this morning at 127 Pacific Coast time. I got that phone call that I knew it was coming. The three thirty my time or so, and I still wonder if I did anything that I could possible to show my dad that I loved him. I, I, my intent on making this segment of this podcast was not to. Uh, Say, woe is me. I just wanted people to know what his life was like. I know you've heard a million times, too. I know you've heard a trillion times to make sure that you um, hold on to every single moment you have with your parents on this earth. (laughs) So I won't say that, but... uh, My only... Thing I could think of right now was what his last moments of his life, of his life was. Did he look around for me at all? He was 80, he was 84 years old when he passed away today, tonight, this morning. Dad, if you could pick this up <laughs> on someone's iHeartRadio app up there. Just know that I'll always be your son. And I'll always love you.
I'll return soon with a, another episode of There Is A Way Out. And uh, I just hope that uh, people maybe got a better grasp of who my father was. I love you, Dad. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.